Welcome to today's County Road Bobblers podcast. It's myself, Witch, uh, joined by a good friend of ours and, and a, a repeat guest, uh, John Blainsey Blaine. So good to, to see you, John. Obviously, uh, I know you've been away in the States uh, following the team that we all love. Um, how are you? More I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, my friend. Yeah. Um, at least we can see each other. Thankfully for the audience, they can't see us. But um, <laughs> yes, um, I'm good, notwithstanding the football. But but I mean, we can see that the, it's going in the right direction, I think. Um, and the trip to the States, we had a, a smashing time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're teaching uh, Ned and, and Carmen and all them what, what goes on in the States. And, and oh, you know, Carmen, Ned and I. drinks are. <laughs> yeah, they're a nightmare, a pair of them. Well, to be fair, you know, Cam's probably less of a nightmare than Ned, but, uh, the, 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 you know, they're both early 20s going on early teens. Yeah. yeah. But, but we did have a good time and um, they, got to, they got to stand in a bar at one in the morning drinking beers with Wayne Rooney, so it can't all be bad, can it? Well, I know, it's, you know, that's, that's fantastic, really. And it, I, I believe they naively tried to take on a fellow bowler, uh, Big Barry Williams, at drinking, you know, well-seasoned uh, well, veteran well, on the... Well, uh... well, come on, we all know that Baz is the real deal, you know? And um, the naivety in Hooters to, to suddenly decide, as one of those two youngsters did, that he could out-drink Jaeger bombs with anybody and then... Basically, biz bat, bah, 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 big Baz battered the pair of them in about two nanoseconds. You know? <laughs> it's all part of the learning phase. Oh, it, it is. It is. And, it, and Baz was on top form as well, of course, generally. So it's uh, yes, one, yeah. one of the good, one of the good guys. Yeah, he, he is, Macy. Um, so yeah, I think you've given the nail there. It's obviously a bit of a bit of a. Well, it's not the most ideal of start for us. Uh, I think it's you know story of nearly the last couple of games, isn't it? You know, certainly Chelsea and. And Villa, you know, one goal shine both games, albeit we left it a bit later against Villa. Um, any any thoughts on them first couple of games? You think, obviously, as, as you've alluded to, uh, you know, you can see some positive signs with it within them, them yeah. losses, if that's possible. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I, I can see the positives. Clearly, we'll start to get our act together at, at the back. And clearly, um, Frank's got the players he thinks he needs now to play the three he wants to play. Um I think uh, watching Patterson is a bit like watching uh, Mikalenko in the early days. He's, he's he's finding out what this league's about, but but I think he'll, he'll progress quickly. So I think we've got those two guys sorted out. Um, and Wobie's a revelation, isn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then we, we, we're we waiting. I think we've just been chatting offline that hopefully Ganner will sign in, in, in hours rather than days. Um, Decore, if he stays fit, is a, is a good old boy. And of course, Anana looked, you know, a 10 minute cameo looked very promising. And, and as we know, all our challenges are in the other three positions up front. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems to shift, doesn't it? You know, I think uh, midfield's been the one that we've all been batting our heads against the wall, I think, for, for a couple of years. Uh, certainly the, the number six, ironically, that we're, we're actually now replacing with the number six we lost in the first place. But, you know, I think uh, as you, you, you suggest, Anana, you know, 21. Just a quick uh, couple of minutes on him. 21, six foot five. You know, I think uh, the, the obvious is straight away to look at the physical side of his game because he's a six foot five, big strapping lad that can cover the pitch. But, you know, listening to, to the uh, the old stamp of approval from Bobby Brown shoes, he, he talks about his technical ability and his ability to drive forward with the ball, take it under pressure. Um, he's certainly looking like a player that, that we've, we've missed for a long time. 
You know, when we're looking at players, John, um, obviously Anana seems to be one that they, that's been on the club's radar and been quite persistent on. Um, and it's actually, you know, we, we've actually got him over the line and certainly pulled him away from, from West Ham's uh, grasps. Um, is it a case of, do you think we've really done the due diligence on this lad as well? Because there's a lot of people we seem to have spoken to. Obviously, you know, uh, Martinez, Lukaku has come out there, you know, he's spoken to him as well. Uh, how much due diligence does go into these type of transfers? You know, obviously we, we've seen straight away that kind of confidence swagger, you know, way beyond a 20, 21 year old lad, you know, the leadership side that, you know, that talked about, not say that 10 minute cameo, cameo, he came on, he was confident straight away, driving the ball, you know, he wasn't a shrinking violence. Do you think we've really got home on our due diligence on this, lads? Um, um, well, shorthand, I suppose, as I know we did, yeah, because the first yeah, time yeah. I, I heard the name that it was very serious, I, I, you know, I was told that we'd reached out to Martinez and asked him his view as his international manager and as someone who, who, who if he progresses at the rate he, he could progress in this league, could very well play in a World Cup at the end of this year. And, and, and I think Roberto, you know, the old um, once a blue, always a blue thing came into play. And I mean, we all saw the interview that he did where he, he was a bit like Bobby took brown shoes, wasn't he, with, with his use <laughs> of adjectives and things. But it was also very um, measured in what, you know, he has around physical attributes he can be a box-to-box player. He's not really a defensive midfield player, but he can do it if you have to, uh, you know, and he's got a high ceiling, hasn't he? And, you know, in this league, I mean, you know, the, the scrappy goal we scored was a six-foot-five bloke, you know, driving into the box with, <laughs> with, with fast feet, you know? You know, and, you know, Winger would have been quite pleased to, have, you know, move the ball and, and, and manage to get it across. So, yeah, I think we do do, do the right things. I mean, I used to... When I used to argue with Robert Elston on occasions, I used to try and get him to understand between the difference between doing doing things right and doing the right thing, you know. And because Robert was very much stuck in the rut of doing things right, but sometimes you have to do the right thing, and that's where your decision making becomes a bit risky, I suppose, because you intuitively do what you think is right, yeah. Um, but the process, and, and certainly Thelwall is very much a process driven entity. You know what he'll bring is structure will be just do that, you know. We can see what he can do. We've seen his show real. We've seen how he's performed in, in the league and in the team he's in. We've seen him perhaps perform because he's made his international debut and all those sorts of things. But the people who might know him, who we know and trust, what do they think? What's yeah. he like behind the scenes, you know? And w- where else would you go to find out where a player or what a player is like, quote, in the dressing room than someone who's in the dressing room with him? Hence Romelu, you know, and, and for all the reasons and why he left the club and the timing of it, it was perhaps at the, in the moment, although we've never replaced the goals, it was good for the player and it was good for us because we've got a bucket load of money, I suppose. And players like that, we're not going to hold on to. And when you were chatting and we were chatting earlier on, you, you were talking about bringing in players like this and recognising them in two or three years' time, we may sell them to do it again, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so asking what the guy is like in the dressing room is quite cute in some respects because it also allows, not only does Romelu and Roberto get to tell us what they think of Anana, he, they also get to tell him what they think of us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I can, you know, you could be a fly on the wall and hear Roberto being Roberto saying, well, you know, you're coming on strong. You could be in the World Cup this year. You need to pick the right club to go to, a club where you're going to get looked after. 
a club where you're going to get minutes, club where you've got a manager who's got an international background in the position that you play. Blah. Oh, why don't you go to Everton? You know, sort of thing. And, and, and obviously Romelu must have adored the time he had with us because the fans adored him, you know. You can feel all the noise about, you know, first touch and all that. It's all about putting putting bloody uh, pig bladders into, into a net, isn't it? And he does that yeah. exceptionally well. So, yeah, they do. And they do it all the time. But um, sometimes you can do all the due diligence. And I know this from a professional day job in the past. You can do all the due diligence in the world. But until the guy walks through the door on his first day in the office, you don't know whether you've actually got it right or not, do you? And you yeah. know this, crikey, oh, you, yeah. you know, you were telling me about all the, the, the people and personnel challenges you have in your own job, whereby you, you've got to nurture people, you've got some people you have to put your arm around, others you have to beat the 10 bells out of them to get the same reaction and so on. And it's, <laughs> and it's understanding all that. And, and I would have thought through the due diligence and particularly the Belgian contact, you know, of Rom and, and, and Roberto, we perhaps found out things through the relationships we have with those those people, i.e., there's no need to introduce yourself. They know you already, you know, that we perhaps learned things that we wouldn't have been able to see from sending scouts out or, or, or anything like that. And it's it's why we're prepared to spend so much money, you know? Yeah, and, and by all accounts, you know, money that we necessarily don't have in abundance at the moment as well. So, to, you know, spending a good portion of what we do have on, a, on, a, on such a young lad, you know, I think it's... Uh, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Um, well, it well, well, it does, yeah. You know, if you've got 50 million quid to spend or whatever it is, you know, 100, who knows? doesn't really matter. Uh, and and you, a big percentage of it goes on one player. That's a much harder decision than if your budget was 10 times bigger, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you see in clubs like Manchester City and Chelsea, uh, and it's probably them two in particular, I would think, because no one else really spends money the way they have in the past, that they, they can have hit and miss you know, and, you know, no one, you know, beats 10 watts out of Chelsea for letting De Bruyne go or letting Lukaku go, you know, <laughs> but, but they're massive mistakes with hindsight. Um, and, and so it's, it's almost like back to the Moyes days, you know, you look after the money when you haven't got much of it. When, when you've got a bit washing around, you can throw it about like, you, you know, you know, some, some, some little bloody um, pretend millionaire or something. Um, and maybe that's what happened. We, we, we forgot the discipline that we used to have when um, the sherry turned up and it looked like there was a, an endless stream of money to waste. So It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I think I put my opinions online before about one player and ended up 30, you know, comments deep within half an hour of, of people having... Oh, was this? Totally, uh, I think it was uh, Che Adams I mentioned oh, right, about. Okay, yeah, know, yeah. Lo and behold, you know. Um, you know, and I, I, I think people have got to step back sometimes and, and, you know, have a sense of reality about where we are. You know, and it's easy for me to say when I'm sat on Twitter, you know, or, you know, John from Bootle or, you know, Ronnie from, from Norris Green to say, I want this kid from Bel Belgium League, you know, or, you know, or you take a chance on this fella who's never played. But I suppose Frank Lampard's had a very real taste of, of what this squad's about, this team's about, you know, and he's seen it probably its most uh, stressed part, um, stressed time really, you know, in that, that situation where he needed leaders, you know, he needed people to stand up, you know, he didn't need maybe certain players crying away saying he weren't available for games. Um, mm. You know, and he, you know, certainly the way we've been as a club, you know, 18 months tends to be the manager's lifespan at the moment, sometimes less. So Frank Lampard's probably looking at that thinking, 
well, I'm six months into my job straight away. You know, objective one's obviously tick for that, you know, that, that we've stayed up. Uh, and now he's looking on for the next 12 months and, you know, ultimately is is looking to see what chances he's prepared to take. You know, like you say, you know, a big portion on and on. Now that's certainly a risk, you know, but it's obviously a risk that they've, they've mitigated. But, you know, you, you can only take, I suppose, so many risks in the position that we're in, we're in aren't we? You know, and you've got to also have a, an element of, of making a, a competitive Everton football side, you know, for for this season, you know, to, you know, and, and, and that's about getting points on the board. And do you think that, that we'll be less risk averse maybe now that, that maybe if we stay up and finish mid-table next season, we may all of a sudden, you know, if we say, right, mid-table side, build the foundations, you know, maybe we might now take a few more chances on on a few more players. I think you, I think you, 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 you bring out a very important point and you sort of did it, you bookended it because you said it almost in the first couple of lines of, of what you just said, which is it, 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 if you say when the season finished last, you know, back, back in May, which wasn't that long ago, but seems an eternity, you know, uh, and said, OK, what's our plan for next year? Plenty of Evertonians, whether they're fatalists or not, you know, would have said, well, you know, 17th will do sort of thing. So, so, so you've got your very primary objective is to remain in this, in this, in this division. You know, so, it, so so if you looked at the club and said, please explain your strategy to us, it might not be easy reading, but the strategy presumably is stay in this division, get the stadium built. Yeah, everything yeah. else, everything else is secondary, really, at this time. Now, that's not to say we can't be ambitious and say, let's get as high up the league as we can. Let's try and do something in the cups. Let's try and bring some players through, you know, suddenly, you know, who knows whether Stanley Mills is going to be going to save us a load of money or not? Who knows, right? But you, you've got to blood these guys to know. So when you talk about risk, I don't know whether you mean risk in spending a lot of money on a, a particular player and it turns out to be the wrong amount of money or the wrong player or both, right? But the next layer of what should we do is presumably it was for the, the manager to sit down with his coaching staff and say, okay, lads, we've just avoided relegation. What are we missing? that we need to put into this team. Yeah. And that, that was robustness in defence. The goalkeeper's fine, right? Robustness in defence because we've got a fragile best centre-back, you know? We, we, you talk about leadership. We actually, the leadership came from the fan base in many respects. <laughs> that, was, that was the 12th man bit that we provided, yeah? In other words, we cajoled the players and got behind the players collectively and individually in a way that a proper captain or a proper leader on the field would do. So you start saying, well, what we want is leaders from at the back. And so you go off and you end up getting, you know, a Tarkovsky and a Cody and, and these sort of things, players. So you've got two solid players there a long time, two youngsters in Patterson and, and Nikolenko. And that's the thing, you know, when we were really good, when we did stuff in the 80s, there was a mixture of really, it was a young team anyway, but there was still some old heads in there, you know? Yeah. Who've been, been there. Your Peter Reeds or, or, or after that, Andy Gray and people like this. And so you say, what kind of players do we need? And some of that was putting focus on leadership and consistency and frankly, don't get injured type players. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you can forget whether that player was formerly with a, a club that got relegated. Because again, people have to remember, I suppose, it's about the team that you're in. Yeah, you know, we, we have got players in our squad right now who we might not think are particularly good or aren't as good as they think they are, but you drop them into Man City's team 
or you drop them into the red shites team and they would look infinitely superior by the same token those clubs have players that if you dropped them in our team they'd get lost you know yeah yeah. So, so it's all about finding the right kind of player that fits the hole that you have in your team. And right now, perhaps what we need, um, we talk about we need a striker. Of course, we want a striker who can score 15 to 20 league goals, but there aren't many of them about. But we know that we, we either look for one, if we could afford them, or we try and find one that can become one of those. Yeah. But in the meantime, in that stabilising season, if that's where we're at now, you just want a good old-fashioned professional who's used to leading the line and can do the job. Yeah. You know? Now, in days gone by, perhaps more days than he might care to remember, that might have been a rondon. You know, <laughs> you know, a, you know, a guy who can finish ninety minutes, hassle defenders, win fifty-fifties, just be awkward, really. You know, it, you know, it's not, you know, it's not tidy necessarily. But if you've got youth and pace around it. And agile players like a Gordon or a, perhaps a Damari Gray or, you know, less so McNeil, I suppose, who can pick off those pieces or ball carriers like an honor might be coming and, and so on. Then suddenly the team is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. You know, and if you got stick over Jay Adams, then that's probably because he doesn't look like the kind of super sexy 20 league goals a season man that we all want. But he might be exactly what the team needs. Yeah. I think that's a key difference, isn't it? You know, no one um, with the right mind grew up and, and want to see Che Adams leading the line at Everton Football Club. You know, it, it's not as though it's a childhood dream to have a, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think we, we've, we've got to be very realistic about where we are at the moment. You know, I I, I want another Lukaku. You know, I want a, a Rich Allison, uh, but are they available? Have we got the money to get them right now? Um, I think, what you've said is, is quite right. You know, if you listen to Baz on Toffee TV, for example, you know, his list of players and, you know, the players he's already scouting for two or three years' time, you know, I'd like to see us have a bit of a hybrid approach, you know, where we... Well, you we have make, to, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And look at Che Adams, you know, chipping eight to 11 goals this season, you know, bring players in, powerful, believe centre-halves. I mean, I watched Forrest the other day and a lot of people were, you know, really big in the up on Twitter, as, you know, we always get, you know, this, that stage of the season. Ultimately, the, the, the striker that I seen they had, you know, he wasn't the best in the world. He just occupied West Ham's two centre-halves and made life hard for them. Uh, you know, and the, the goal certainly was a, a goal that probably me and you could tap in in the end. You know, but he was in the right place, right time, handful. You know, he wasn't exactly, you know, the, the most skillful of, of forwards. Um, you know, but everyone was digging for the stuff, you know, and, and ultimately you come away with three points against a very uh, solid West Ham side who are, are tough to beat. And, you know, you've had an honest day's work and you come away with a, a win against them. Uh, so, you know, I, I was looking at that thinking, look, you know, Che Adams, yeah, not great, but what I'd like to do, maybe get him in, you know, that guarantees us there or there about eight to ten goals. And then, you know, add some, like you say, you know, a couple of rappers, wingers around him, you know, and I, I make make us that solid side. And ultimately, if we get if we get to 12 months time where Che Adams is not good enough for the Everton squad, then we've come a long way. Um, and that's where we all want to be. You know, we all want to be in a position actually where Che Adams can't get in the first 11 he, in fact he can't even get on the bench because we're that good but at this time you know obviously I, don't, I just don't think we're there at the moment and and Frank's got to weigh that up as well you know he'll, he'll no doubt be looking out there as well and you know he'll have his own ambitions who he wants in that that forward line but in the same time you know you need a, an element of uh, of consistency obviously I, I think it was interesting what you said about uh, Bramley Moore John as well obviously Bramley Moore's on the horizon two years two years off as well 
Um, you know, we're starting to see that. Obviously, we're not starting to see it. We've, we're well and truly seeing that coming out of the ground now and starting to, to be the focal point as we all were passed on Friday. But if that doesn't give you the t- determination to start getting things right, what 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 will? <laughs> well, well, absolutely. And, and, you know, when you talk about attracting players, you know, the dark art of trying to winkle a player out of where he is to where you, you want him to be, if you're his agent or you're the club who wants him or whatever, then you you, you talk you call this due diligence, but it's using relationships, isn't it? You know, it's, it's yeah. getting a, a rom to put the right word in or a Roberto. But it's also to show him a training facility, to show him a fancy headquarters office, it's to show him a brand spanking new stadium on the blanks of, blanks of the Royal Blue Mersey. All those things come together and you try and, you know, um, create... A, um, I don't know, call it momentum for want of a word, that this is a happening place, so I might want to go there, right? But it also becomes a retention strategy as well. You know, when an Anthony Gordon or somebody else gets, you know, seduced by the bright lights of London or top four or Champions League or, or whatever, you, you can start saying, but you're going to play if you're here, yeah. okay, in front of a passionate crowd. And and if our crowd is anything like it was last season, it's going to be tremendous. And next season, it'll be even bigger because it's the last season potentially at, at, the, at the old lady. So you're looking at a good few years of incredible fan experiences for us as fans, which is why no one with any sense should be giving up a season ticket type of thing, you know. Um, and, and you try and put all that together. And, and But, you know, going back to Frank, which is really where you were going, I think, those two games that we've had so far this season are both missed opportunities, you know? You know, yeah. in, in a different multiverse, we won both of those games. And we won both of those games because we played a centre-forward, yeah? Because both yeah. those teams, Chelsea, were really flaky set, set in central defence and and so were Villa. But we just never had the, the, the right type of people around at the right time in, in the game, you know, in the movements of the game to exploit that. Um, and... You know, Frank has to take some of the blame for that in some respects because he saw his chosen front three, if you will, not work Yeah. Uh, in one game. Then it didn't work in the first half of another game and he still took quite a while before he did something about it. And all of a sudden, it's panic stations in Villa's, you know, in Villa's defence. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how and what he does um, for the weekend. Um, he can't start with those three he'll start losing faith of some of the fan base if he does um and, and hopefully we have some more bodies on, on, you know on his on his on his roster as well but um it's about winning games mate you said it and and it's about picking teams to win games yes not yeah. not picking teams to develop your style you know yeah uh, picking teams to win games right? You're quite right, yeah. The ideology side of things, it's all well and good, but, you know, the games pass you away one game at a time, don't they, three points at a time, uh, or one point at a time. But, you know, they're all opportunities missed. So, obviously, looking ahead then, we mentioned uh, Gordon already, the elephant in the room at the moment. Um, you know, certainly during this week uh, online, it's it's certainly been a, a mixed bag of, of, of reports. Uh, actually, 21-year-old lads, uh, just past 50 first-team appearances at Everton Football Club. Uh, obviously, under 21 wise, he's had four appearances for the uh, under 23 setup, but you know, he's been involved in some of the other grades moving up the um, the academies there. Uh, three year contracts, um, in terms of what he's got left, signed a five year contract in 2020. Again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I could see, he was on about 43,000 uh, a week uh, at the moment, which doesn't put him in, in the top 
echelon of, of Everton's top earners at the moment. Um, obviously, strong finish to the season, I think it's fair to say. You know, mm-hmm. he's definitely part of that that season. Um, so the season finishes, three years left in his contract. He's done two years. How does it work? What, what happens with the agents then? Obviously, we, there's been a lot of talk that his agents have been heavily involved during pre-season. And, you know, is that normal? Is it, what, what can we expect to have happened behind the scenes there? Yeah. I don't know what you mean by um, heavily involved in pre-season. Um, but, you know, if, if I'm Anthony Gordon's agent, yeah, and, and I don't know where he fits on the roster, you know, he might be the diamond in the... In their in their business, or he might just be one of a load of players who are, who are good. You know what I mean? And and I think that in, influences what goes on for the agent's own potential income. And that they're not all sharks, you know. You know, um, there, there are sharks out there, but they're not all sharks. Um, but but I think to myself, okay, well, a couple of years ago when he was about nineteen, nowhere near the first team, he signed a five-year deal. You know, um, I'd be awfully surprised if he's on forty-five grand a week. He might be on less. He certainly won't be on more, um, but maybe there were kickers in there. That says when you get in the first team, you get a pay rise. When you know when you've played so many games, you get another pay rise. That sort of thing. So so maybe you know he, he's on the journey to earning a good wedge of money. Um, but if he has a great finish to a season, and that draws attention, which it clearly does, because he's you know he'll have been on people's radar for quite a while as a player with potential. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, first time I saw him was in the youth team and stuff. And I asked a good mate of mine who's a full set of UEFA badges and all that sort of stuff. So what about this guy? What do you reckon? And he shrugged and said, um, I've seen players with more talent not make it. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's all about attitude and, and not getting ahead of yourself and so on. But the agent thinks rightly, I think, because I'm describing myself here as being the agent. My, uh, my, my client... Anthony is worth a bigger pay packet. You yeah. Know? And part of the trick for the football club is to say to themselves, you know, if you start off with a simple view that the employer wants to pay as little as he can get away with, yeah, uh, and the employee wants to be paid as much as he possibly can, you know, and, and you, you negotiate and you, you, you find a, an agreement, you know. Um, and so the club have asked, have they not, there you go, here's a, here's a, new, a new deal, right? And I'm assuming that new deal will be for three years, which is, the three years left on the original deal. So all they're doing is improving his terms. Yes. Yeah. And and you would expect, you know, having seen that this guy's demonstrated in, in a cauldron environment that is his potential can actually be delivered upon. Clearly needs consistency and all the things you talk about. And if you had the choice, you'd nurture him and he wouldn't start every game and he wouldn't play out of position and all those sorts of things. Um, so so the agent says, I want more money for my man, type of thing. Um, probably doesn't want to extend the contract, you know, to five years again. So he wants three years on more money, fundamentally. And the club think they've reached an agreement, so you write it down, you know? And so when people say the contract has not been signed, I find that quite amusing because I've never, ever negotiated a contract that's ready for signature that hasn't been agreed before it was ready for signature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so why would I agree a contract on behalf of my clients and then not sign it? Because between agreeing it and signing it, something else happened. And maybe that's the interest of other football clubs, you know? And, you know, and, and, and if that's one of the, the Champions League clubs or it's a club who competes up the so-called, well, better phrase, the treacherous six, if it's one of those, then me as the agent, I'm going to listen. 
okay? And and it's a bit like when you're buying a house. You bought a house. How's your house, by the way? Brilliant, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So a, bit, yeah. a bit of a distraction for everyone. Bringing I'm, I'm, houses. Yeah, we negotiated under. So, so you're happy. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but when you buy a house, then obviously someone is selling it, you know? And, and, and if you want 100 grand for your house when you're selling it, someone offers 90, the agent is obliged to tell you someone's offered 90. They can't say no on your behalf. Yeah. So, so if a club is interested in, in, in a player and they approach the agent, which is legit, right? They can't talk to the player without the permission of the, of the registration holder, but you know, they can talk to whoever else they want. Then, of course, in, the, in this example, Anthony's agent would say, Chelsea are interested in you. Or maybe said before that, Newcastle are interested in you. And if you're the player, you say, well, what does that mean? Interested. Well, they'd like yeah. to buy you. They'd like to give you, you know, 100 grand a week more than you're currently on. And, and you know who they are. And Chelsea are going to put you in their Champions League squad and all this sort of stuff. Then I just don't believe that a professional footballer who aspires to play at the highest possible standards is going to automatically say no. He might say no, I'm happy where I am, or whatever, but he won't necessarily automatically say no. And if I'm the agent, I say, well, I'm going to say, Anthony, um, we haven't signed this contract with Everton yet. So minimally, we might be able to basically tease a better deal out of Everton, right? So in terms of, obviously... the, the old... And that goes on, and that will go on until the window's closed and then potentially start again in January, you know? It's interesting, isn't it? So obviously the pictures, as they, they do nowadays, the Everton FBI um, get all of these things, and you know pictures start to surface, and you know whether you know whether the reasons were why he was in London um, were for this or, or not. Maybe just was having a, a bit of a, a day trip out there, but obviously the pictures of a Euston train station, the uh, the Harrods picture surface, and you know all these kind of speculative things pop up. Um, do you think that it's it's concerning that he hasn't signed a contract and one has been offered to him? Should we no. be concerned at the moment? No, I wouldn't be. Why 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 would we be concerned? Uh, well, uh, with the reports that you know that he may be uh, some suggestion online that he, he may be pushing towards uh, a move to Chelsea, or certainly his agents might be pushing. Do you think that's just purely speculation at this time? I, I think there's plenty of people out there who have an opinion, right? But they yeah. might not have much insight. Yeah. I mean, you can put one and one together and get three, can't you? Yeah. You know, um, you know if a footballer, um, let's go back to that little story we, we just played with where Chelsea speaks to the agent and say, would your boy be interested in joining us? You know, you know, and, and he says, yes, I would. Now, that helps the buying club because they can perhaps do a bit of lowballing because they know when it comes to it, the player might push. We saw yeah. this most graphically with, say, Ross Barkley, for example. You know how you probably can... the perfect example, isn't it? Because yeah. you know the agents were involved, Chelsea, and and anything in between there. So that's right. Yeah. Um, so so there's that, but ultimately the only way you get out of a contract is by asking for a transfer, right? And, and, and whatever you just referred to, whoever the FBI are, you know, <laughs> they will say, "Oh, and I've seen it. We've all seen it on social media. That's the narrative. The club will blame the player. They'll say he wants to go." all this sort of stuff. Well, it works both ways. If the player yeah. doesn't want to go, he just says no. Yeah. Okay, so no one makes anyone go anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, but then also, you, you, you do the little bit in the middle. Well, if they don't want me, I didn't want to go, but if they don't want me, I will go. 
you know what I mean? But but you don't go to somewhere you don't want to go to just because you think where you are don't want you, you know? Yeah. You, you do this in your day job, don't you? You, you? you could decide this Friday after a crap week or whatever, you know what, I'm leaving this place, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And you'll start looking for a job, another job. And you, but you won't move until you find the job you want to go to. You won't jump out the frying pan into the fire just to spite yourself, right? So I think people need to remember how much um, control over their own destiny footballers have. Um, clearly, if a footballer says, if Anthony says, you know what, I've had to think about this, I want to go to Chelsea, then Everton can't and perhaps shouldn't make him stay against his will if he really does want to leave because it impacts your form, it impacts the dressing room and so on. By the same token, the flip of that is if he does want to stay and doesn't want to go anywhere, then he just says to his agents, I'm not interested. It never goes any further. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they, they can make as many bids to Everton as they want. But if Anthony's decided he wants to stay, he's going to stay, you know. Um, and OK, the, the, the dark arts then come into play because maybe Everton think, well, we don't want him to go at 40, but we might want him to go at 50. But that's just negotiating. You're still going to yeah. make that initial decision. Yes, he is for sale. And actually, the stories are that our story is he is not for sale. End of. And, and you know, the phrase we would not welcome bids is please don't insult us by making increasingly larger bids, thinking that eventually we'll say yes, because we won't. If you were the seller man, John, and, and someone come at 40 million, would you would that be your line as well to potential? Um, I, I, I think that the thing is, if it was 40 million pounds in cash, none of this up to rubbish, you know, because I think the actual guaranteed amount was substantially lower than, than the 40. I think that's just the wrong side of the tipping point to make me seriously consider it. So I'd say no, personally, of 40 mil. And I'm sure there's lots of people I know and no doubt I'll end up talking to them and saying, God, you're a, a bit of a wally because I'd snap their hands off because lots of people go with current form. They don't go with the big picture, you know, and as we yeah. know, form is temporary, right? Um, you know, now Frank said, this guy is at the center of our thinking, um, you know, we'll almost not quite use the words, but we're going to build a team around him. I think that's wrong as well. I don't think he's shown enough yet, in, even in potential, to say someone you want to build a team around. But Frank was saying that around the time we wanted him to sign a contract. So, again, that's all part of the game, the, the manager publicly saying the right things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think um, what you say there, it's hard to take that kind of thing is black and white. You know, you're going to, if you, you know, you're going to get a manager saying that about the player, particular, uh, particularly a young player. Um, and another one that I just want to touch on, you mentioned about, you know, 40 million and, you know, valuations from a business point of view. Um, I think that if I, if we were to take our, our heart out of this, you know, that we all want a local lad playing football for Everton Football Club, one of us on the pitch and that passion, you know, and all that kind of stuff that you love to see as a football fan. Um, but you know, if you actually look at it, he's a, he's a player. Actually, you know, if you, let's think of someone that that was quite similar to him, um, similar age, uh, Lewis, uh, Keen Lewis Potter. Uh, obviously, yeah, hasn't yeah. got that Premier League experience. Similar kind of age brackets. He went for, for you know for between sixteen and twenty million. Um, the only players really that have gone for 40, 50 million this summer tend to be Rich Alson, you know, Raheem Sterling. Jesus. Jesus, you know, that have all yeah, yeah. scored over a number of years, double figures, proven 
quality, do you start to get tempted from a business point of view, even if he's not for sale? And by all the, you know, by by all uh, indications, suggest that he's not necessarily for sale. And we don't need to sell him. It'll be a, a business choice if he does leave. I mean, yeah, I think so. Based on the conversations I've had with people inside and outside the club, with, and I think Alan Mize tweeted it this morning, got a load of stick for it, right? As if he's the club's mouthpiece that we don't have to sell. Um, now that's a very broad brush statement because clearly over time we will have to sell. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, but we can still, so as I understand it, buy players in this window without selling anybody. Now, I'm sure there's people out there who say, well, we'll have to sell people in, in, in January then, or we'll have to sell people next summer before the financial year finishes and all those sorts of things, you know. Um, but ultimately, we don't know what we don't know. You know, we don't know how big, you know, the front of share sponsor really is. We don't know how big the sleeve sponsor is. We don't know how much the salaries were of the players who've gone or the players who will go. So there's so many variables that you've got huge amounts of overlapping assumptions to know what is and is not a business decision. Yeah. But one thing which is rock solid and should be rock solid in, in making objective decisions is when the valuation of another club about one of our players exceeds ours, we should seriously consider whether, whether we want to keep that player or not. Yeah. And included in that is, as the pragmatists on social media might say, it's no good getting 50 million quid cash for one of our players on the last day of the window and all it does is stay in the bank. You know, we need players at the, at the moment we, and we need numbers as well, you know. So I think all those things have to come together. And it's interesting that, of course, what the wise people would say, if all these things have to come together, then the clock's ticking, you know. And, and before you know it, the door will be closed and you've either got the players in you wanted or you haven't. And that yeah. applies as much to Chelsea as it does to us, you know? And, and I would think if I was at Chelsea, what is it whatever, with this Anthony Gordon bloke? You know, if you're a Brozier or somebody like that, you know, I can't get near this team really. And yet they're going to go and spend 50 million quid on this bloke who's older than me and has got less experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. But I was just <laughs> looking while you were talking, David, um, Anthony's agent and and the jewel in their uh, their roster of players is Reese James. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and the players around him in in valuation. This is on transfer market. If people want to go and look. So Anthony Gordon is on transfer market's valued at about eighteen million quid. The p players around him who play in this league are Callum Wilson, Dwight McNeil, Cessignon, Shea Adams. So that's where he's bracketed by a truly impartial, you know, numbers-driven view of the value of a player, right? Yeah. And you reckon you got stick for mentioning Che Adams, but he's apparently impartially rated from a financial point of view as being worth, give or take, a million or two, the same as Anthony is. Uh, and interestingly, McNeil, a player that we've, we've yeah, got in. we've already um, acquired, yeah. We've already acquired, so... It's interesting that I mean, glad you picked that one out. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to use that probably in one of these uh, hundred deep threads that I end up in <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so I think that you're quite right to raise that as well. You know, you do obviously have to make a call, don't you? You know, is he going to be another Wayne Rooney? I'm not so sure, personally. I don't oh, think he will be. I am. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's not going to yeah. get anywhere. He's near. not going to be. Yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I, and then you're looking at, you know, you're, you're looking. Well, what what is he going to be? You know, is he going to be, you know, a player like uh, Sterling, maybe that gets 18 goals? He's got a long way to go. You know, you know, before he he starts hitting double figures regularly and consistently. 
Um, you know, so fifty million pounds for us starts to become quite tempting. You know, is he? And that's the thing. You know, Wayne Rooney's just don't grow on trees. There's plenty of Franny Jeffers and Jack Rodwells and players that come and go and don't really really achieve the potential. Um, I, I quite like Anthony Gordon to be honest. With you. I think he's a good player. You know, I think he's got that talent to go round players, which is hard to find. But you know, I think he might be a fifty million pound player, but probably in three years' time. You know, and I think the situation where and we need players that can actually perform and score goals here and now, uh, but not just here and now, but for the next couple of years as well. Uh, can we afford to have them maybe during that time? I'm not so sure. I, if it was to ask you then, John, um, fifth, you know, let, let, what's your tipping point for them? And at what point does John Blaine say, yeah, let's sell them? Um, just comment on some of the things you said, because I think he is a good player and he's still got quite high ceiling and potential. I think this is, a, to my mind, it's a development season. And I, I've seen people talking about, and I perhaps alluded to it before, that he might not get a lot of minutes um, with Chelsea if he went there. You know, and that has been a graveyard for a lot of players, right? Yeah, a lot of players. Who just disappear, you know? Um, and, and, you know, and the holding big rosters of players and moving them around the whole of Europe is going to be frowned upon, you know, formally by UEFA and the like. So, so, so you... There's only so there are five subs, of course, and that's what's going on here. I think is you need to deepen your squad to take full advantage of the five subs because you're up against City uh, and the and the shite who, who can bring players on who are only marginally inferior to the one they've taken off. You know, yeah. particularly particularly City, and and he does have an innate skill which you cannot coach, and I, and I think he could do it. Doesn't matter how high a level he goes, he'll still be able to go past players. Yeah, he's got something which fools the opposition player and he goes past them. So what he needs to add to that is discipline and work, you know, work ethic and consistency. And, and, you know, I think this is still a development season, you know, and, and if, if, if he stays with this football club and continues to develop, then he could be worth more than whatever Chelsea top out at a year from now. Yeah. And we, and we'll, but we might not want to sell him then because we'll be a better team as well, you know, because you develop when you've got better players around you, of course, you know. Yeah. Um, so the tipping point, it's a good one because it's a classic. If I wanted to go there, I wouldn't start from here. Yeah. Because I would have pretty much preferred this question to be asked in the back end of May, early June, you know. And, but I think that 50 million is on or around the thing when you think, is this too good, you know, a financial deal? As long as we know, or I know, because you're asking me if it was me, if I knew where I was going to spend that money, yeah, and I, and I knew that my team, and th- and beyond that, it's the squad will come out of it stronger because that's all you ask from transfer windows. You come out of them stronger than you went in. Yeah, you know, and and for us to be stronger than we went in, if that included selling Richarlison and send, selling Anthony Gordon, it would have to be some goddamn stunning series of inbound players wouldn't it you know yes yeah and and I, and I think at the moment we've got a um the bottom end of good window in our hands because uh, of who we brought in and an honor might be the tipping point there but um and it would have to be equivalent to 50 million in cash not it's 35 million and we have to win everything and you might get 50 you know that sort of thing yeah because i think he is with the potentially has and the, and the cost potentially of replacing a player like that, um, 20 odd just isn't enough in this day and age. You, you talked about some very average players going for those sums of money. 
and, and we have to look at ourselves and say, well, how much did we play for Dwight McNeil and how do we value Anthony against that player, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I have to think we value him higher in financial terms. And, you know, that gives you a bit of a clue. Um, but what about you? Where would you draw the line? I would have sold him a 40, so it's a good job that I'm not, not in charge of the air thing negotiation. But, 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 but the same rule, though, a real yeah, 40. A real 40. A, yeah. And to be honest, John, I, I, I would have wanted, you know, at least one of Brogier or, or Gallagher to actually come in as part of that deal as well. Um, you well, Brogier doesn't need... want to go on loan, does he? Well, I mean, that's, again, it's, it's reports, isn't it? You know, it depends yeah. what you read. That, and uh, that's so. the joy, isn't it? If, if Tuchel pulls him into the office and says, you know what, mate, you're not going to get any games here. But yeah. Frank assures me you're going to be first on the on the team sheet alongside DCL. You know, then why wouldn't he go? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's you know, again, notwithstanding I'm, we can't have any more loans because we've used them all up. Yeah, yeah. It's it was it's it's always an interesting one, isn't it? It's we we need goals. You know, we need to, to certainly fifteen to twenty goals. We probably need to to re, you know, uh, obviously I think we had ten from Richardson, six from Calvert Lewin. Uh, obviously, out, out out the sides, you know, you could argue push away be favour up, ask for little marginal differences or gains from from some of the centre halves. Uh, but you know, it's I think you can't get away from the fact we need a couple of forwards in and we need them in fast. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, four three million would be my tipping point, I think, and uh, that would involve a player. But if we can get fifty million, then then I bite their hands off, and that's from someone who really likes Anthony Gordon. Uh, I just think that right here, right here, right now, I think we, we need uh, players in that, that can score uh, goals. And that I think if we don't get them in, then then Frank Lampard's going to be in a worrying position in 12 months' time, and he shouldn't be. You know, I want to see us give a manager now three, four, five years and give him some time to build a, a side and not keep on in this habit of chopping and changing every 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So yeah. we could set us fair back. I, I'm with you. I, I don't want to be you know, sat at home in, on Saturday evening or Sunday morning listening to people say, well, last year Arsenal lost their first three games and look where they ended up. Because I think, yeah. it, you know, it, it becomes even very early in the season, it's one game at a time because it's always one game at a time, you know. And and if we have another game whereby we're reasonably solid at the back, um, we're, you know, Wobie, we've got, you know, a born-again type player who, who can do stuff and, and we talked, or I did before, about the wing-backs and so on and so forth. If we keep failing because we haven't got someone up top, then that's pretty damning. And th- there are players throughout Europe who could do better than what we've got now because at the moment, in that style of role, we haven't got anyone. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so there's countless players who could be brought in. And as you said before, um, they wouldn't necessarily be the ones we want, yeah? But yeah. Yeah. here and now, it's about making the team more effective, yeah? And then we'll get Definitely. goals from midfield. I mean, beginning of the last season, mate, all the, you know, 90% of the goals at the start were all from midfield players, you know? Yeah. You know, Tottenham bought Richie's form at the end of the season <laughs> because if you, you, you forget the last six games and he couldn't hit a barn door, could he? So, yeah. I mean, my, my concern with Richie was always that, uh, obviously, I think he's a quality player and, uh, you know, I like the, his work ethic on the pitch, but whenever he didn't play well, we didn't seem to play well. And I always felt we were overly reliant on, on Richie, uh, you know, and it, more often than not, our four minutes his, um, you know, so I'd like to see us actually have a, like you say, have a team, you know, where, you know, almost 
one player can have an off day and the, the, the collective is actually okay, you know, and we can replace them. Um, I think we've been over-reliant on individuals for too long and that's probably a reflection from some of the, the poor recruitment that's gone on over the years. Yeah, and time is healing that poor recruitment, but we, we, we have to follow it and, and so far so good, I think, with better yes. recruitment, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and as we stabilise and, and make ourselves more attractive and the stadium can only help with that, and by the way, the stadium is not going to solve the world's ills, you know, because the capacity is too low and the prices will still be very high, but we still will generate massive amounts of uh, free money to spend on players and the like. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just need to, to, to try and give the manager what he wants. And right now, that must include two players, by the way, not just one, who, who can back up DCL, you know. No, we, absolutely. We want Calvert-Lewin really to be in a position where he can't regain his place in the side because the, the, whoever's come in is, is playing that well and scoring goals and, and it takes the pressure off him then. And, you know, you're not rushing them back in and getting them re-injured and we're back in the, the same cycle. Uh, so, fingers crossed, massive week. When it, When is it never a massive week for Everton Football Club? Uh, it feels like actually every 24 hours is a massive 24 hours at the moment, <laughs> uh, certainly looking online. Uh, but, you know, I'll just say, Sebon, you know, We've got to be patient. Uh, I'm as frustrated as everyone else, you know, but hopefully the wheels are turning behind the scenes. We get a forward in. Garner will stabilise us again. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a huge game on Saturday. Um, but every game's huge. And that's what, you know, the Premier League's all about. John, um, just before we finish, prediction Saturday score. I know it's harder and you haven't seen who we've got in and, and an think in between, but give us an early prediction. Goal, uh, for the score. Two, one. To the Blues. To the... Well, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> never... Don't want to catch you out there. I'd never uh... predict the opposition would win. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Yeah, no, I, I, I think 2-0 uh, I'm going to go for. Uh, I think we'll have a clean sheet at the weekends. Um, um, 2-1, yeah. We, we are. You know, they, they had the uh, near cat got injured for them the other day as well. Very good centre-half. And I think they were a bit bit at sea at the back. I think a bit of pressure. At Goodison Park. Good atmosphere. So if you're listening... Let's have a good atmosphere inside the ground. There's no coach meet at the weekend. Um, people did say they won them every game, so they're just going to be certain games. So get in there early. Let's get the atmosphere bouncing. Let's get it electric. Bring uh, you know any flags or, or banners, dust them off, get them in there. Obviously, make sure they, uh, they fit the, uh, the requirements of the stadium and you can contact the fans for them or, or the 1878 or even ourselves if, if, if you're unsure about that. But uh, dust them off, get there early. Let's get the atmosphere absolutely electric you know it's the second to last season of back and uh, let's make it impossible for for forest at the weekend um so john thank you very much uh nice to see you again guys. yeah yeah nice to see, nice you, again, to see you as well john and thank you everyone for listening uh we'll be back next week i'm sure uh but uh up the toffees and uh let's uh keep our fingers crossed for some movement this week Should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. 
You're happy when I'm on my knees One day is fine and next is black So if you want me off your back Well come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go there will be trouble And if I stay it will be double So come on and let me know This indecision's bugging me If you don't want me, set me free Exactly whom I'm supposed to be Don't you know which clothes even fit me Come on and let me know Should I cool it or should I blow Should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go, there will be trouble. 